0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Get through, you get through, you gotta get what is up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on the Get Tucked Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Tuck O'Leary. We are officially one month into the podcast, and I really couldn't be more stoked. You guys have been incredible. You guys have been kind. You've been receptive, and you've sent a lot of really great submissions and questions via email. So thank you guys for chiming in, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, just with my personal socials. It means a lot. In order to keep the podcast spicy, I'm going to switch it up this week. Uh, be that it is release week for Offward Minivan, I'm going to give you four episodes, one for each member, Monday through Thursday. The reason for this is this Friday, May 15th, our brand new album, Swan Dive, will be released via Tooth & Nail Records. This is our debut full length, and if you haven't heard of us, you can listen to three brand new singles, Vampire, You, and Supernova. They're out on Spotify, Apple, what have you, all streaming platforms. If you'd like to support us, uh, please go pre-save the album on Apple Music or Spotify. If you're more into cotton or physical CDs, you're trying to snag a super dope hoodie, then you can go to MerchNow.com and you can pre-order the album. You can pre-order all sorts of cool stuff that we had designed, T-shirts, uh hoodies long sleeves whatever so i ordered all of it for myself so i hope that you will go and buy some too because i think it looks great thank you jim hughes for helping design that and also to the amazing gene coffee who is um, known as mr coffee bean with a y he is a tattoo artist out of queens and he designed the swan for the album for us, and seriously crushed it. So I hope you guys enjoyed the Fit episodes, and I I think you're going to get a lot out of the Offered Minivan episodes, honestly. Uh, Hopefully just as much, and hopefully if you are unfamiliar with our band, you will like these guys by the end of the week. But this week's guest, or I should say today's guest, because we have four guests this week. So today's guest is Evan Garcia-Renard. He is the drummer and pianist of Off-Road Minivan. Evan and I have been best friends for over 10 years now, and I kid you not, I would do anything for this dude. We've seen each other through the hardest of times, the best of times, and he's pushed my musical talents and really helped me to learn a lot. Overall, I am super, super thankful to have him in my life. And enough of the sappy shit. Snap into a Slim Jim. It's time to get tucked. Just to save me.
1: Hi, Evan. That's, hi. That's actually the reason I did come into your life. To save me. Yeah.
0: To save my life. To save my life. Don't save my life. There was a Vision song that... Come, save my life. Or something like that. I'll have to ask Chris Aiken. Now I'm just thinking yeah. about my old crappy local band, Vision. That's a
1: blast from the past, yeah.
0: I guess at some point I'll have to do a... An episode with myself where I talk about all my bands that I've been in.
1: Yeah, you'll have to ask yourself
0: questions and then answer them. I could do that. That would be fun. It's like the Tom Hardy movie when he plays himself as a twin. I don't know that one, but that sounds pretty cool. I like Tom Hardy because he's short and buff and um, makes me feel like I can accomplish things.
1: Yeah, I've known you for like about a decade, and I think that's been like about a decade's worth of Tom Hardy worship. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to like him and Joe Rogan and Christian Bale, and like even from time to time, you have to consider a Tom Cruise in there where it's like these smaller people who accomplish some larger than life things. And they happen to be similar to my stature, not saying I'm in the shape of any of these men, but like I'm close ish, like in terms of like I'm short, I'm bald, I'm uh, buff ish. I mean, oh, shape, yeah. So, Plus, you know. like we
1: can make you as buff as them in post.
0: Oh, I agree. And I but I think that I should just start doing steroids and then I will be as buff as them. Like, if I was actually two twenty or two ten, I think I think Tom Hardy was two ten when he played Bane. So five, nine, 210. That's a huge freaking guy.
1: Wow. But, it's like it's like math.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna I'm terrible at math though. I'm yeah, this has been a theme for my conversations today because I was just on the phone with Bob before and i was talking about how i have opinions about what's going on with the covid-19 thing but in the end i hardly passed high school like i'm not i'm not super bright uh so who am i to say that i know what is actually happening because i don't i'm dumb uh and that's why i'm gonna host a podcast and flip bases around instead because that's more my place in life
1: yeah but you're really fucking good at drawing circles with bases in the air so
0: oh thank you yeah that's all those like watching the chariot videos and stuff
1: oh yeah wow another good throwback
0: yeah what a band i wish i was in that band
1: but man that unsung Um. ep Ooh, I remember just yeah. like listening to that in the woods of Cape Cod, which no one associates with Cape Cod, I think, as far as I know. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's all beaches, but it's a lot of woods, too.
0: Woods are cool. Yeah, woods so are, are how drums are made, with wood. That's wild. Guitars as well, um, which is pretty cool, because we both like both of those things. Um, That's cool. And old shoes, you know, old old shoes from the old times. I remember back in our early bard days, um, there was a lady from New Mexico that I dated, and I remember being really stoked on her because she listened to ISIS and she listened to the chariot, and I was like, "Wow, this is really cool, and ISIS is a super badass band before it was like a um, a terrible terrible ter- ter- yeah, ter- <laughs> organization, organization. yeah. Organization.
1: no, they were a sweet so. band
0: yeah, great, super great um. They influenced a lot of bands that we love, uh, or that I love in particular, like Under Oath, um, in terms of the heavy side of their band. They definitely channeled bands like Isis. Rumor has it, supposedly, like they would try to get bands like that to come out with them, and it didn't work out so well. Um, if, But that's just what I've heard from some other yeah. podcasts and whatnot, so... I don't know anyone in Underoath. I wish I did. If for re- for any reason they hear this, um come be my bestie. And but they probably I just said bestie. They wouldn't want to be friends with me. That's stupid. A,
1: that's that's a little much. You know, yeah. you can't you're to bestie that let's quick. Let's be
0: let's be friends. Let's or acquaintances. Thank you, Tim McTagg. Sincerely, um, us. Yeah, that would be cool. Um hi Evan. How are you hi, feeling Ryan. today?
1: I'm feeling quite well. I'm drinking some coffee, which is honestly the best part of my day almost every day forever since I started doing this. And it's it's no different than it ever has been, which is amazing.
0: Well, as a Massachusetts person, you are drinking Dunkin' Donuts, and I feel like that would be most fitting for you. Now, I don't believe you have much of a choice but to drink Dunkin' Donuts at the moment. but Well,
1: funny you say that. I actually – that this is like the most choice I've had in a while, and I did choose to go to the drive-thru today and get Dunkin' Donuts coffee and relive the magic. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That's Why not? Stuff. Um, so as I teased about it just slightly, Bard College, I guess that's really where this whole thing started, didn't it, Evan?
1: Yeah, this is where it all went down. This is where our whole uh, the kindling was set ablaze to our future friendship here, and I guess also musical endeavors. I mean, I didn't really think when I met you that we'd be talking on a podcast during a global pandemic like 10 years later
0: yeah I agree um that, <laughs> <laughs> that's wild to even, like hearing that um kind of shit uh sends a little shiver down my spine but um yeah it's we're in insane circumstances but somehow we have remained friends through some pretty wild times
1: oh yeah um, but ups and downs and and right in the middles
0: the middles the all-arounds circles squares triangles all sorts of stuff um but yeah that's where it all it's all all
1: took place there that's where we met uh,
0: that was a very terrible burp i'm gonna i'm probably gonna edit yeah you should probably you should probably edit like a better one in. yeah i'll probably do that um, i'll try to get some good samples what year later. did you enter college
1: So I took, uh, two gap years between high school and college. So I entered in 2008 going into 2009.
0: Now in those gap years, you had done some pretty cool stuff. But before that, I want to get a little bit deeper into your background. You've been playing piano since you were like four. Yeah. Like, uh, four and a half, um, four and a half five is
1: when I started playing piano and, um, Not that I really played before that, but my parents are both cellists and they put like a little tiny uh, custom cello that they made out of a viola with an end pin. And they put that in my hands, I think, when I was two. So I was like, you know, heavy quotations playing cello until I was like four and a half. And then my sister took piano lessons. And because I was a little brat, I was like, yo, I got to do that, too, or else I'm going to throw a hissy fit forever. And then I just kind of stuck on piano since then.
0: Luckily, you have because you're insanely good at it. Um, It definitely is one of the joys of my life. Because I remember just when you were in college, I feel like all the time when I'd enter 40 East Market Street, you would just be playing piano, and I'd come in, and we'd improv songs for, like, an hour. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It was and, like Rodgers and Hammerstein, except, like, a lot less serious. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's funny because it, it's kind of like, um, you know, people just trying to, you know, rap on the spot or whatever um, but just full improv, we'd come up with themes and just sing about something for a while. And it was super fun. I think it really actually, in some ways, helped my songwriting, um, just at least to be able to think of things on the cuff and try new melodies. But um, So you started playing piano at four. Yeah. What time did you pick up the drums? I picked up the drums, I think I was about 11 years old,
1: um, okay. 11, 11, 12, and... uh Essentially, this good friend of mine had a drum set at his house, and I had never played drums. And I went over to his house, and he was just like practicing. I was like, Whoa, that's the coolest sounding thing I've ever heard. Kind of try it. And I sat down, and you know, I kind of just did the exact same thing that he did. And he was like, Yo, what the fuck, dude? I've been like playing for years. Why did you just do what I have been working so hard to do? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe I should play the drums. And I did. That's sick. Of yeah. course
0: you were able to do that, though, because you're freakishly talented. I think it was just the piano, though. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to gloat and be like,
1: oh, I was good at drums from the beginning, because I, I totally wasn't. I suck ass at everything in the beginning, I think, like a lot of people do. But um, I think I just had like a, a one-up on the competition a little bit, because I had been playing piano for so long, so rhythm was something that was in, like already instilled in me.
0: Absolutely. And I guess just coming from parents who are very musically inclined, yeah. Um, It definitely helps to kind of have that in your DNA a little bit. And some people naturally just don't have that gift. Um, So I'm sure that no matter how hard that guy worked, he can be a great drummer, but you had something special that you were just bringing. There we go. Another burp to the table. Nice. That was a better Um, one.
1: Better better burp the time. Thank you.
0: I am sorry. It's just all I'm doing is drinking coffee right now. I'm on an intermittent fasting diet. Um, I've been inspired by Ryan Kirby, who lost like 30 pounds and I've seen myself getting fat during quarantine, so I'm trying to mix it up a little bit.
1: I feel that. Are you drinking black coffee, or you're drinking it with uh, some stuff inside of it?
0: Um, black coffee. Yeah, huh? I have I have my cheat days, but generally black coffee. Um, because otherwise it's not fasting. No, um, it's
1: not exactly as soon as a little bit of the half and half gets in there. So I hear.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't drink milk at all, but I um, I have sugar because I love sugar because I'm addicted to it um yeah that's another thing i know i've known about you for a long time yeah it's terrible it's a real problem last night i had a mounds bar and a pack of m&ms while sitting in bed followed by a tremendous amount of pretzels and peanut butter (sighs) yeah it's terrible that's why i'm fat um (laughs) but back to the good stuff you're 11 you go to your friend's house you play drums you're like holy smokes i'm wicked good at this kid You know, because you're like from Massachusetts, so you said it something
1: like that. Like, oh, kid, I'm wicked good at this shit.
0: And I. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Massachusetts people really speak. I just know you say wicked and kid. So you play the drums, you go home, and you're like, mom, buy me a drum set? Or how does this. I'm myself. pretty
1: much just like obsessed at that point. Like I just am like pretending like I understand how to teach myself drums. So I'm just like air drumming to every single metal album I own, which is a lot. And a lot of new metal albums. Oh man, I had did I have the like biggest new metal phase?
0: What kind of bands?
1: <laughs> oh, like I, I went to Ozfest um, that same year. So I went with my brother, and pretty much all at the bands at, at, at eleven. Jeez. I saw is like it was hate Hatebreed. American Head Charge, um, Drowning Pool, Slipknot, Lincoln Park, uh, Crazy Town. Crazy Town was there. Wow. I saw Butterfly live. Butterfly. So,
0: can you sing any of that? Song? Do you remember any of that song?
1: Uh, yeah, it's like Gosh. Come, Gosh. my lady, come, come,
0: come, come my lady, yo, my butterfly, you're my butterfly. Sugar, sugar, baby. sugar, baby. Yeah, thank you. Okay,
1: yeah. Well, so, yeah, nice I was I was doing that, and then I was like, yo, I gotta get a drum set. And at that same time, I was kind of not. Feeling piano so much because the thing is, it's such a solitary act to play classical music. Like, you practice by yourself, you perform by yourself. It's just this, like, really, it's not lonely necessarily, but you put all this work in by yourself and you only really ever get to perform by yourself. So, I was really feeling like I wanted an outlet for collaboration. Mm -hmm. And I knew that being a drummer was like, you were never really just a drummer. You were always a piece of a greater whole, like being part of a band. So I saw that kind of as my outlet for that. And my parents were down. Um, so I got a drum set. My buddy who is so sick at drums, shout out to Brendan Sawyer, came over the day it shipped and he helped me put everything together because I had no idea what I was doing. And he was kind of like my, my drum guru mentor for uh, like a little while. He just like showed me a bunch of things to get started. And then ever since then, I just taught myself, um, up until college really.
0: Oh, so you never actually took any drum lessons? I took one college. drum
1: lesson before college and I just didn't click with Jeez. the teacher. He it just it wasn't really like what I what I wanted. I took piano lessons like my whole life essentially, but I don't know. I just didn't click with that drum teacher. I think had I found someone different that I meshed more with, it might have been different, but I think it worked out for the best.
0: It's wild to me because you're so good at um even playing like jazz drums or switching it up. And I've seen you play so many different styles of music that it's kind of mind-blowing to think that you didn't actually take any lessons. But I guess having such a background in contemporary music and knowing how to play piano so well adds to that for sure. Because if you listen to jazz drummers or you play with uh, contemporary artists all the time while you're playing piano, then I'm sure that that gives you a little you know, extra listening advantage. Um,
1: Absolutely. I think that people can learn a lot just by listening and and trying to replicate and emulate something. And also like, you know, it was uh, not to date myself too much, but it was like, you know, kind of the dawn of the whole digital age. So I was just starting to watch like drum videos and like DVDs and like I would get all those Hudson DVD things of my favorite jazz drummers and when the internet was hot, I would go on the internet and try to like watch videos of drummers and stuff like that. Because you can, you can learn a lot just by watching people on repeat and slowing the video down and just, you know, watching that one drum fill a hundred thousand times with your, your best friends and like all trying to emulate it. I think it still works just the same way today. I mean, having a teacher to guide you is really important. And I think it's a really, uh, amazing tool to get better at something. But ultimately, I mean, like you have a lot of power to teach yourself something. I think that a lot of people, know that, but there are probably a bunch of people out there that would benefit just from watching some videos and try to teach themselves something.
0: Absolutely. I think I learn a little bit better when I have an instructor, but, um, I think that, you know, there are a lot of people who are just capable of watching YouTube and getting super good at shredding from that. I mean, especially now that you can pretty much see every song ever played on drums in some variation, um, or any instrument for that matter, because everyone covers everything. Everything, yeah It's pretty it, cool it's, Cover culture Yeah, you got covered a couple times this week It was cool to see kids learning the songs and doing sick drum videos Like, some of them were real legit Oh yeah there, there are a few, yeah, there were some videos
1: this week that were super badass And I was really impressed with, with, with the things the kids were doing um, And yeah, there are a couple others too that came out just uh, yesterday, I think it was and Oh, you'll the, have to link the, me the, I will link you I will send you the link
0: yeah, I love that we got to see Vampire and Supernova done as well. That was yeah, cool.
1: and right off the bat, too. I, I didn't expect kids to like be like listening to this so fast and wanting to learn it so fast, but Dude, I no. think that's a, a good sign.
0: Yeah, one of those kids had like a legit drum room. It was pretty awesome, and stuff sounded really good. I shouldn't oh, say yeah. kids, human, man, yes, person, human. whatever. Uh, not trying to. Uh, I always just say that, and that might be condescending because you're you don't look like a child. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying, guy. Uh you smashed it. You guys smashed these drum videos. Oh um, yeah.
1: Yeah, way better drum room setup than I do
0: currently. Well, you're uh if yeah, if you could have full access to your studio, I mean that place is the spot. You got a few awesome rooms in there, so
1: Oh yeah, that studio is just incredible. Shout out to Community Music Space and Ben Centerfit for being one of the dopest humans alive.
0: Yeah. For those that don't know How Evan makes a living is by teaching piano and drum lessons. So for one, if you are interested in getting lessons, which he can do via Skype or Zoom, you can hit him up personally. Uh, You can email me at gettuckedthepodcast at gmail.com, and I can forward it to him. Um, But if you are looking for lessons, he is the man. He's been doing this for quite a while and is super good at it. Um, But before you became a teacher, you were just a student. So, yes, at what point did you start playing in bands?
1: Um, I was playing in my first band. Um, well, I had my first band when I was 15, but we never had a band practice or play a show or you know we, we had a, a, someone that had Photoshop and that and when you were 15, if someone had Photoshop, you could start a band. You just make a name, you make it look cool, and then you print out some posters, put it up in your junior high school or whatever kind of school you're in. And then all of a sudden, you're in that band, like regardless if you have any content or not. That's awesome. So I was in a band called Never Stop Fighting. My buddy uh, Chris Barnes introduced me to hardcore music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um,
0: never stop fighting. Never
1: stop fighting. Yeah, what's up, going? So uh, the Angel Fire website actually still exists for Never Stop Fighting because I was really big into HTML coding. Um so I, I would make all the websites oh, okay. for the bands and stuff and they're pretty primitive, but I had some, some cool little wizards. So that
0: site is still up.
1: That site is still up, man. I But like, there's no music on it. There's no music, but there are posts from me like like way, way long ago that were like shows cancelled, everything sucks. You know, like like live journal essentially. <laughs> the, the, the live journal equivalent to Hardcore Sad Boys. And nice. uh I would just post I'd be like, Yeah, Band Practice went awesome today. Shout out! Never stop fighting, and um, yeah, he introduced me to Hatebreed, uh, their first album, Poison the Well. Though was that that was the band that turned everything around for me? Essentially, I put on Poison the Well, and um, the the first song on Opposite of December is a twelve. Oh God, I'm gonna sound like such a poser right now. It's twelve something something or other. That that date, twelve twenty three ninety three or something. That's actually what it is. I did Google it. All right, dude, you want to hear
0: something really cool? Yeah, at least it's really cool to me because, um, I don't know, I'm an, I'm a nerd. You'll appreciate it. But Poison the Well, I was I was chatting with my friend Chris about their band, um, and they were tagged in it, and they they liked my reply on Twitter, and it made me happy. oh hell yeah, yo Chris Hornbrook liked one of my drum videos from a while back, and that was all, all I ever needed in my life. He is so good, and I just he's one of those guys too. He's played for so many different bands and so many different styles. Dude is just insanely talented he
1: is and he's uh, uh, to me he was always like a musician's musician too he was really innovative and he was obviously doing a lot of the, the tropes back then but he was like creating the tropes th- th- those those things weren't as like running rampant as they are now like the the double bass drum fills with like right left in your hand right left in your feet like that whole intro that was yeah. the first time i heard that fill, and i'm sure i mean it, it definitely wasn't the first time that fill was recorded but it was the sound quality and like the woodiness of the drums just sucked me into that album and essentially like paved the way for me to do everything that I'm doing now. So I think, I think he gets I a lot of that album.
0: Yeah, I think he gets a lot of credit, but does he get enough credit? I don't know. I think I, he deserves I would say some more credit.
1: for a whole podcast honestly. That that dude, yeah. I think changed my life and the more I think about it, it's really it's interesting to think about that that album was so impactful for me as a musician.
0: But Yeah, I mean, thinking to back on that era of music in general, where we were listening to, you know, just so many different subgenres at the same time, I feel like, because you had, some people were into the heavier stuff, some people were in the lighter stuff, but everyone seemed to find themselves in the middle with bands like Poison the Well, where even if you were like a death metal guy, you might still really like Poison the Well, but if you like Thursday, you might still really like Poison the Well. So. They just had such an audience and getting to play with early Deftones, stuff like that. Wild stuff. I mean, the band could have been super, I mean, they're a huge band, but they could have been super huge. Um, I guess that was kind of what they were going for to some extent Um, is that Deftones era stuff. But who would have known that that band in and of itself would be as big as it is?
1: Yeah. Another
0: huge band. (laughs) Yeah. They suck. Deftones is a bad band.
1: Yeah, white white pony definitely wasn't like the the first album that I ever made out to. Yeah,
0: no, first album that I ever made out to was <laughs> uh, Dashboard Confessional. Um, no, nice. it was the um, the hands down EP. Mm-hmm. Or what's uh, God? No, the the uh, so impossible EP. Sorry for anyone oh. that's like also a real fan out there. It's so impossible EP, and it was pretty ah. I just hit the mic. I'm sorry, guys. It was one of my It's still one of my favorite EPs I love that record I love Dashboard I was an emo boy um, Yeah For life, really Yeah Yeah And it's not even like a front Like some would say I'm uh, we'll We'll cry at times But you're, you're just in touch With your emotions Yeah Yeah, that's it um, Yeah I would say so Alright So you were in
2: Never Stop Fighting
0: Never Stop Fighting
1: And that was A, a real sick band And, um, you know, we would have some, like, beef with the emo bands in our school because, you know, at the time, hardcore was the thing for our band, right? And emo was the thing for somebody else. So we were like, emo sucks, like, hardcore rules. And then they were like, yo, fuck hardcore, emo's the best. And so there was this, like, turf war between these, like, scrawny scene kids, which is so funny in retrospect, but also just awesome. (laughs) And eventually, the beautiful part about it is that we decided to play a show together, and that show was like the dopest show ever. And then we were all like, you know what? Emo and hardcore, like we're meant to be together. And then, you know, Screamo started because of us and our unity. And then we started on Screamo.
0: And then you were kind of in a Screamo grindcore band. I know in high school, was that your next band or? Uh, yeah.
1: So in high school, it, it was like, a, like, yeah, like mathy metalcore. I think we call ourselves Massachusetts melodic hardcore. I still have a sticker The band was called In Forever And uh We played a lot of shows With that band And we we would play With like Unbroken Wings Barrier Dead Shipwreck Death Before Dishonor Like all these bands Would come through the Cape Because there was actually A surprisingly Big presence of Hardcore On Cape Cod I mean Brockton was right over the bridge And Brockton was like A real hub Of hardcore music And then we had The Sons of Italy On Cape Cod And that became Like the premier place To play on all of Cape And um Our bass player Chase Machini and a bunch of other people from our band would do a ton of booking. So we just started booking shows. And I think, like a lot of people, um, we eventually weren't able to continue it because of just like how crazy the shows would get and how much shit would get broken or violence and yada, yada, yada. You know, the the clubs didn't really want to house
0: like. A whole gang. I wouldn't want to house an Unbroken Broken Wings show. Are you kidding?
1: Hell me? no. I would want to. I would want to watch an Unbroken Broken Wings show because that band was like dope. I loved that whole oh. album. Do my crosswords the pen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What a good band.
1: Yeah. Yes. But so yeah, we were we were playing mad shows back then, and eventually, um, I graduated <laughs> from high school, and I knew I wanted to take some time off because I just wanted to keep up playing music, and so I moved to Boston. With my band at the time was called Cut Down the Tall Trees, um, and a couple of my best friends and I moved up to Boston. And we—I uh, I always worked in coffee, by the way. I should say I worked at a coffee shop from the time I was like 13. Um, I kept on doing it in Boston, and I was like, "Yo, I want to keep playing shows. I want to make my own living. I'll go to school eventually." But when I was in Boston, I uh, eventually started playing, and I went on tour with this band, uh, Death Before Honor.
0: And uh, yeah, a lot of people know that band. They're a super legendary hardcore band. And if you don't know who they are, go and check it out. Check it out. And I should
1: mention that the whole reason I got connected with those guys was because originally I was supposed to play a Japan tour with Barrier Dead uh, to fill in for their drummer because I, I met with uh, I met this guy Slim B, who you know, in my opinion, is like the forefather of the
0: single note breakdown. One thousand percent.
1: Just so the world knows, every single note breakdown that you hear that's like... mm, 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 mm," That's Slim B, (laughs) Brendan. And he like created that whole movement. That dude is a pioneer. I don't think... Speaking of underrepresented people,
0: that guy needs credit for millions of albums, I'd say. 1,000%. And it's very interesting if you trace um, his history a little bit. There was a while where Slim... Was actually playing in Bring Me the Horizon, and Bring yeah. Me the Horizon was playing very similar single style riffs, um, and it's interesting to see how that band continued to grow and o- always hearing that influence in it. I guess if you are a big Barrier Dead fan, there was no way that you couldn't listen to early Bring Me the Horizon, and at least those first, you know, this the second and third record primarily and not hear that influence.
1: I think that that's like a a sign of a really good artist, you know, like a a really special artist is, but when you hear something or when you see something, it's almost immediately recognizable. Like if you hear the tone and the, (laughs) the riff, you know, that he brings to the table, in my opinion, I'm always like, Oh, that's a slim B riff. You know I'm like? And even if it's not him, I'm like, Oh, they they (laughs) listened to earlier barrier dead and they were shaped like the rest of us. And barrier dead was a really interesting band. Um, you know, I think they, they got grouped into like, oh, they're tough guy hardcore or they're just hardcore banner or whatever, like that. But they were actually kind of paving the way for the future of metalcore. I think and just the future 20, of 20. breakdowns, like the evolution of the breakdown, which in and it itself is such an interesting thing to kind of go through and trace the lineage of, like you were saying. Um, he was, I, in my opinion, at the forefront of the dawn of the change of the breakdown into something totally new and like going away from just the typical thing.
0: Yeah, so I I agree with you so wholeheartedly. Um, super innovative band, and I just remember hearing like their intro for the first time when they said their own name in the intro and um, stuff like that, where they were just such an influential band that so was. Many sick. people wanted to emulate that band, and they crossed the they crossed genres in a way where hardcore guys were into them. But really, they were a metalcore band. I mean, if you remember uh, the Victory Records um, Santa commercials where someone would drop a boombox and then start moshing, like that's all barrier your dead. It was a huge wave. And it was that band just never um, got the full recognition they deserved. Now, it could be because of the switch in vocalists, and that may be a preference for you as well. I am a big fan of both. I think Mike Terry smashed it, and I loved his singing. But mm-hmm. Barrier Dead changed their style a lot. They basically became like a hardcore slash new metal band, and their sound right now would do way better. People would be super into it. Um, but, you know, what, a, what an interesting trajectory for, you know, I guess all these artists that are tied together. But Yeah, it's
1: it's been like an interesting journey for all, for all of us. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really small period of time in the history of the world obviously um that hardcore music has been like at all a thing but the amount that it's changed and evolved so quickly is really interesting you know i I think that it's some of the fastest evolving and changing music if you look at music from like a historical like like point i I mean if you think of like classical music and yeah if we're going
0: from like youth of today and gorilla biscuits to now
1: yeah, what what the is that like
0: 30 40 years? Yeah, something like that.
1: Um, math. Yeah, math. But anyway, what was I talking about? We were talking about cut
0: down the tall trees, cut the tall trees. what's it?
1: cut down the tall trees. You know, it, it, in hindsight we were just a bunch of teenagers that watched Hotel Rwanda one time and we were like, "Whoa, this is like crazy and terrible, but this this quote was you know, I don't know. It, it resonated with our music. The I think it was cut down the tall trees, but like I, I think that in in hindsight, that's probably like uh, not something you would ever want to call your band. Now <laughs> it's just you know, yeah, it, it sounded
0: edgy at the time and cool, but not edgy, not cool edgy in, in a way where it was like, yeah, fuck Hotel Rwanda. It was just sounds. Oh cool. no, no. I mean, I still fun. I think the name in itself is very cool. I still love the name, Cut Down the Tall Trees
1: yeah i remember uh there was a there was a band fall of troy also had a, i think a single that released at one point and just you know after our band name that was cut cut the tall trees or cut down the trees it was one of those things too we were like fuck
0: they took our name obviously there's, uh, there's also a icy stars one-liner where he's he screams that Tal, but yeah 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 I'm going to throw in <laughs> so many whisper screams this episode. Uh, oh, I you hope just so. just going to be so amped up that I just want to do it. Because really, you're the only person that I do actually scream around. Um, but occasionally, uh, I guess I do a couple impressions around Fit for a King. But um, I basically just sound like a really bad Micronica um, when I scream. It's not good. No one really seems to enjoy it. But I have fun doing it. And that's all that matters. So... You were in Cut Down the Tall Trees. You go on this tour with Death Before Dishonor. But where did you go? This wasn't just a tour in the States. Lay it on us, Evan.
1: So we were doing – we did a full U.S. tour, um, not full as in all 50 states, but we did you know east to west coast via via the south, a um, bunch of east coast states. So we, I mean, we were gone for a couple months, and then we went to uh, – once we got to California, we played a couple shows in Vegas. And uh, we went to Mexico next, and then from Mexico we did an Australia tour.
0: That is super cool.
1: Um, Still, I mean, I I was—I mean, these are some great memories, man. I was—I was nineteen years old. Uh, Most of the guys in the band were, you know, close to thirty, if not thirties. And the the U.S. tour we were headlining, and uh, it was, you know, me, Ben, Rob, Brian, and Frankie. And uh, we we went on the road. I mean, I, I got pretty close with a couple of the guys too. We were all we were all pretty good friends. If you don't know Death Before Dishonor, they're they're definitely uh, intimidating fellows. They could definitely you know probably whip cut you in, yeah. cut you in half with their fingers. Yeah, whip some butt. So it was nice to have these like very large, scary people on your side. Well,
0: <laughs> who was the other band that you were out with? It's well one of the most the thing legendary is- bands of all time. Once yeah, you were on so- the Australian portion.
1: Yes, on the Australian portion uh, It was actually Madball we, we were co-headlining with Madball And that was just dope I mean, like, Hoya was just this. The, you saw the dude and you are like, wow You are a legend <laughs> Like Just yeah. meeting him He had a legendary personality, super cool guys um, I think Riggs was their drummer at the time He was fucking incredible to watch And obviously, you know, Freddie Madball was Super cool guy Whenever I was in a room with Freddie Because I was always in a dressing room with Freddie he, uh, I would always feel like I was in the room with the Godfather. <laughs>
0: yeah. He, is he was an incredible presence,
1: man. Yeah. He, um, he,
0: he was an incredible dude. Yeah. Cause they were one of the first bands I think that really broke out of just hardcore, but kind of got their brand out there. It was known as, it was kind of more of a wave. people were very proud, I think to wear mad ball gear tied into mm-hmm. their New York roots and what a legendary band, um when you guys were in the states what other bands did you tour with
1: Oof it, it depended on the show actually uh we didn't we didn't have a co-headlining uh band there were just i think there were like usually a local and then another band that was drawn I'm trying to think in California man i would actually have to find the flyers this is you know how many years ago now over a decade yeah i honestly i honestly can't remember
0: no, that's cool. I didn't know if you guys actually had some another band on the bill or if you're just by yourself, which is also cool. It sounds kind of yeah. nice, a little less stressful. Um, and honestly, local support is awesome and severely underrated. Um, oh, yeah, they would draw. I mean, like, obviously people knew what
1: they were going to if they were going to a Death Force honor show. So it was kind of like we were going to get a crowd or we weren't, you know, depending on the area. But local bands, man, like, yeah, like, just talking about music in general, you're only as good as, like, the show you're having, in in my opinion. You know what I mean? You're only as good as how you're playing at the show, and it really illuminates like the whole entire communal aspect of music when you go and you play a show with a local band that could just be five people in high school. You know what I mean? And they have a solid group of friends and a solid following, and they show up, and all of a sudden, it's the best show you've ever played.
0: Oh, Four shizzle. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny looking back on the things that we were able to accomplish in high school in terms of having local shows. I mean, you know, my parents would let me rent out an Elks Lodge and we could get 100, 150 people in there. It was insane. Um, but people, I guess the music is just different now. I think the internet changed that a lot. People have so many acts that they're into that I think <laughs> that that really alters how many concerts you're capable of going to. But at the same time, like I'll talk to like Jeff Menig... And he'll tell me about these like rappers I've never heard of who are selling out, you know, the 300 cap room in Atlanta pre sale. So it, I think it's just right now the underground thing that's very cool isn't necessarily rock music. It is just a different form of, uh, I don't know, this whole rap, trap rap, emo rap stuff that really has taken over, which is super cool. Like, I've, I've, oh, yeah. That's why I'm Hustle Crow. I'm actually the greatest rapper alive. I just, yeah, but I don't uh, really rap very often because I don't want to outshine anyone. But at some point, Evan and I are going to drop some tunes there. We've
1: been been working on a mixtape now for a while.
0: Yeah, it's in there. Um, And I really really need to to get on that, honestly. But okay, back to the good stuff you didn't what was your favorite part was it being in australia was it you know playing mexico what was your favorite part of this whole string of touring
1: i mean there there were so many highlights and funny stories that i still take with me but i would have to say australia for sure was just like this incredible experience i had never been there i was i mean i was mad young too so you kind of seen the world for the first time
0: that's sick yeah we still haven't well Fit for a King has gone to Australia twice. I have yet to go to Australia, even though I also didn't tell you this. Today's my six-year anniversary of flying to Texas to meet them. Oh, no way. Yep. Nice, man. I remember just crying on the back porch of, of 40, or not 40. <laughs> uh, mole. Mole. Nine yeah. mole. Nine mole. Right a- up repert- New York. What a place. What, a, what a Great place. times there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that was a, that was like the end of an era.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing because I, I think when I first joined the band, I, I look back on the way that I spoke about our time and I am not super stoked on it. I think that I painted my friends a little more uh, black when they should have been golden. We had the best times. We had so much fun. I would not be who I am without living in that house I learned a tremendous amount about myself and how to coexist with other people. Oh and Honestly, yeah. if you look at like to me, it was like boot camp right before going to join a band and live in a van because we lived in a house with seven I lived in a house with seven other people. You were one yeah. of them. And, you know, it that's,
1: was definitely a, a van.
0: Yeah, it was a lot. And we always had guests over. We had some like there was almost never a time where there wasn't someone else staying with us too. Like it was mm-hmm. all over the place, but what an amazing time. But before we got there, you did this touring. Yep. Then did you decide to take a break after that before going to college, or you went right from touring with death before dishonor. And then the next fall you went to college.
1: So yeah, that's actually what happened. Um, at the, at the end of it, um, you know, it was really fun. I, I was just, you know, filling in for their drummer, uh, who they were going to go pick up after this whole tour was all said and done in, uh, Denver. I believe he lived in Denver and, uh, you know, it was a great experience, and I, I knew it was what it was, which was like, you know, I was going to go do this thing for a while. I mean, I was going to get paid, I was going to do my thing, and then I was going go to go into the next thing, and I didn't really know what the next thing was, but I knew I wanted to go to college at some point because I, I have always had this like overarching theme of my life of kind of wanting to matriculate to the next stage of being a musician, and that that to me is like ultimately I would love to be like a master teacher at some point. I got a lot out of that, and obviously. Coming from a pa- like a family with two parents that do that, you're you know a product of your environment to some degree. Yeah. But I, I, I last think, a,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I just yeah. think it, you're great at it, and you know people love working with you, so it makes sense. Well, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, we we gotta you know we gotta hit the studio together sometime. You know, you can show me some stuff, I'll show you some stuff.
0: Yeah, the stuff and stuff, but the stuff
1: will be uh, soon. But yeah, so I applied to college last minute um at the at the end of that tour was essentially the beginning of the summer and i had you know had my applications in line it wasn't super last minute but i wasn't really expecting to hear back from anybody and i heard back from a couple schools and i decided to go to bard because i had a good financial situation there which is i don't know when like the number 1 or number 2 most expensive school in the nation maybe the world it was at that time hit. i'm not
0: sure how it it's ranks been, now yeah
1: oh. i don't know how it ranks right now but regardless when, when they hit you back with a with an amazing financial like scholarship, it's kind of hard to say no. So I was like, well, I guess two months from now I'm going to New York to go to college. And I essentially said goodbye to my best friends that I was living with in, Bo- in Boston. Yeah. And I went to New York to uh, try to get to the next level of what I wanted to do uh, alone, which is always scary. But I think everyone that goes to college goes through that.
0: Absolutely. Fun fact, you were born like 15 minutes from where you ended up attending college.
1: Yes, exactly. So I was born here, and then I moved, and then I came back to the area for college. Back to
0: Red Hook, New
1: York. Which is funny, because I always think
0: that if we would have been friends
1: (laughs) in high school.
0: Well, I think, I wonder if we would have, we wouldn't have been the same year, because I graduated 2007.
1: Yeah, so I would have been one year ahead of you.
0: Yeah, but maybe, maybe I wouldn't have been that cool, though. Maybe I would have been cool. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't very cool, so I don't know if we would have been friends, but because um, you're a pretty cool guy, and you're tall. They probably would have made you play basketball if you grew up in Red Hook. Yeah. So you you would have not to... wanted to, and they would have forced you to.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's just what happened. They built that, like, and our team was insanely good, but it was basically like, oh, you go to Red Hook High School and you're huge? You're playing basketball. And it, it kind of worked. Um, People were, they were also talented, so whatever. Yes, but I
1: missed sure. my big break, obviously, by not sticking around here. Yeah. Yes. I could have been a basketball star.
0: Wouldn't that have been cool? Would
1: have wow. been different.
0: Uh, I, you would have been way rich.
1: Yeah. Would it be over for me now, though? Is, am I, I'm past my prime, I think.
0: Oh, yeah. Well,
1: I guess yeah. KG's playing
0: late into his 30s. Is he still playing? I don't know. He played into his 30s, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. Some people play for a long time, but, I mean, he also started playing out of high school because he was so insanely talented. So Yeah. You know, it's, it is what it is. Hello again, everyone. Here's your quick little mid-roll ads. So first and foremost, if you are a supporter of Fit for a King, what we could ask right now of you as a fan is go to the Spotify. There is a link where you can actually donate right to our crew right now. We have quite a few guys who are missing out on a ton of work and could really use the help. Um, So please, if you could, go to Spotify, click that button, donate a dollar or two. It'll go right to Brian or Trevor or Bryce or any of our guys that work for the band. It would really mean a lot. And also, you can go check out ForTheNomads.org. Frank Finelli has raised $35,000 for already 40 different crew members from different bands that you love. So that's super cool. So if you want to donate to those guys, that is also extremely helpful, but... Now is the time in the show where we listen to some fresh talent. It's been a lot of fun digging through these songs and picking ones that fit particular episodes. Uh, This week is a song called 1138 by a band called Senseless. I shouldn't say this week. Today. Monday. This episode. Since we have four this week. I know, a little crazy. But 1138 by the band Senseless. Senseless is a hardcore band from Long Island, New York, And I picked this song because it reminds me of the bands I grew up liking. Um, Evan and I were always into uh, a little more of the chaos. We like panic chords, as I'm about to get into. So I think it's great that we've returned to the time of the panic chord. Uh, When I was younger, everyone from Norma Jean, Chiodos, from first to last, didn't matter if you were a... Death metal band, hardcore band, scene band, everyone seemed to be touching on the panic chord at that time. And uh, I just like that this song has a bunch of them. Um, I'm stoked on the song. I thought for the episode it really made sense. Uh, Me and Evan always like the chaos, like I said. So for this episode, here you go. Senseless, 1138. Check them out on Instagram. Check them out on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Strap in or strap up, fools.
1: ideas, I think, and some of them we would put into action, some of them we would just kind of leave as ideas. Yeah,
0: and I I guess um, at that point we jam for a while, we end up living together in a house in Red Hook for a bit, and then comes time for me to, uh, I'd been talking to Fit for a King for a while, they call me, today is the anniversary of when I flew out, I fly to Texas, I learn songs for five days, and then we go on tour, which... Bravo to me. I learned a lot of songs in five days. But um, fun fact, I backtracked the bass for the first two shows uh, because I didn't know them very well, and I tried to sing as well. uh, Or I had to sing as well. So it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, But that's it.
1: You know, that's like an interesting thing to mention, too. I think that a lot of people that listen to a lot of music but don't necessarily play music themselves, don't take into account, like one of the most difficult aspects of music isn't, isn't just the song and it's not just your technical ability. It's, it's like the whole package. Like, can you confidently sit on stage or stand on stage, memorize 40 minutes of material from start to finish and do it perfect and be completely in in it the entire time. It's (laughs) in five days. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a marathon and I think a lot of people like don't understand that a huge part of it is in the sheer volume of knowledge that you need yeah. to memorize and perform You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting yeah, demand. I wasn't,
0: um, I wasn't actually a, necessarily a fan of Fitbra King. I knew who they were, but I'd only seen the ancient waters music video. I hadn't <laughs> listened to them in quite some time. So that was an interesting thing, but regardless, I left, I go and I joined this band over the years Eventually, and I would say now it is about four years ago that you, me, and Melvin first jammed, I'd say. Um, Yeah, I think so. And it was practice one where it was just the three of us just trying to get a groove, and Melvin just started playing the chords of Spiral Gaze. And that song structurally was almost made in a day. I think it was just...
1: Yeah, I'd say so. That was one of the most organic composition musical experiences
0: I've ever I agree. had. I think that's why we should do it more. <laughs> but um, <Yeah>. I always <laughs> yeah, fight I about that with people. And I, I know it's really hard in a band to like Fit for a King, where it's very riff-oriented to just uh, jam that out, even though Metallica and Kilwich yep. did it, so I couldn't we? But... Regardless, the there's rock side of um, our lives, which is offered minivan, is some stuff just works out so great when we do jam it back and forth and feel it out. Um, and I'd say the same for Supernova. We worked on that song for a very long time, um, two years before it was released. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so you and I and Melvin, who Melvin will be up next. He, you guys can listen to him tomorrow. We beautiful jammed out this song, and it was super fun. And then at the time, Dave was away at college in Florida, so we brought in our friend Will Manning, who played with us for a while. We ended up playing our first show in Albany. Yeah. What was that club called? It's still open. It's very... The Voltage, Voltage lounge, lounge or something? In Philadelphia, if I remember correctly. But the...
1: At a certain point, you play these venues so many times, they all kind of yes. blend together in <laughs> their name.
0: Oh, yeah. But we played a show with Daisy Head in Albany and Only Sibling, and it was super fun. Um, yep. Eventually, Will decides he doesn't want to play in the band. He is working on another project at the time, and we end up bringing in our friend Miles. But... While this is going on, Melvin self records the demo for Spiral Gaze, and then we go to your studio that you work at and record the drums and vocals, and then we end up sending a demo to um, the label. And I just sent it over to them because I was like, "Well, I'm signed here anyway. I, you know, I should show them if I'm going to release anything new." And yeah, exactly. That, they're like, yeah, let's put this out. Um, so at that point. We have to write more songs and put together a release. I yeah. think at that time, maybe we had like two or three other songs. We had a few other songs,
1: but we also had a few other songs that you guys have never heard and probably will never hear because we never recorded them. And we just kind of, we had them for our live shows, but we never saw them through. Yeah. There are a couple other ones. We were, you know, we had some different musical styles going yeah, on there for us, a while.
0: A minute to figure it out, and I think that's why when you listen to Swan Dive, it is a little bit all over the place. Like there is, like Candle in the Dark is definitely not Vampire, um, and you, and you know, uh, let's say. You know, it's harder to make it, are definitely similar, but still different. No, no I don't think that many of the songs sound totally the same. Um, but we definitely had to take a while to figure it out. Um, but then we put together this EP, put that out four songs back, I guess it was 2018 now, I think. February, yep. the week before or after. Valentine's Day. I don't remember. but it, it, it was like the week of, wasn't it? Was that what it was? Like I think so. That was the whole theme. We were like, hey, you're all going to be really sad, so here's some sad songs for you and some breakup stuff. Um, but now, at this time, when the podcast is coming out, our album is going to come out on the 15th, and I think um, one thing that I wanted to key in on with you is Not only are you a sick drummer and a sick piano player, but you also helped me quite a bit with um, the lyrics and sculpting melodies. And we demoed almost all the songs just in your bedroom on vocals and worked it out ourselves. And for instance, a song like You, we wouldn't have that song without um, the story that you provided. So it was pretty cool... Um, to think about all the different ways in which you had a hand on the record, because you can't really pick one person as a producer or, you know, primary songwriter, because it's so all over the place. Um. Yeah, which is, I think, what
1: why it works so well, too. Um, everyone comes from different musical backgrounds, and we all have, like, different musical preferences, but I think it's almost like this... Uh, this album to me almost feels like kind of a love letter to all the things that we're individually interested in. And somehow we were able to collaborate and coordinate a way that we could all kind of have our voice shine on this album a bit, which is really Absolutely. cool. I think it's like a, a compilation of these five different lives and like the convergence of all the different kinds of music that we play together. I mean, like you guys all had bands together too. And like, you know, we all have social history and, Past musical history And that's all embedded in this music too I guess you didn't
0: really know the guys too well Any of them when we started the project I know you knew Miles a little bit Um, Did you know Melvin and Dave really very much?
1: I knew Dave only through the fact that you and I were hanging out And I think we went to Dave's house once when he wasn't there And we played his drum set
0: Wow that's as far as it goes Holy smokes yeah, it was an interesting thing to throw together, I guess. Um I've just been as we'll talk about. Tomorrow I've been in a few or a project with Melvin and he's just such a good songwriter. It's great to have him around. He has a very original tone. But let's talk about a little bit um from when you recorded drums for this upcoming record. You Yes. Yeah, so you uh, Shane, you went to your a friend of
1: yours? Yeah. Uh, let me, let me backpedal just a second here, too, is that um, I, when I was playing uh, drums with uh, Slim from Barrier Dead in preparation for that tour that ended up getting canceled, um, he subsequently got me the tour with Death Before Dishonor, I, uh, I, I also met at that time a great friend of mine, Shane Frisbee who owns this recording studio, The Brick Hit House. And he um, re- recorded and did drums and vocals and did, I think, a lot of production and producing, too, on tons of albums that you guys probably know. I mean, all the, the Barry's albums, yeah. Ghost Inside, some of my favorite metal of all times, re- Revocation. He did a bunch of Revocation. Yeah, D's Nuts. Um, the the guy's Dee's Nuts, he's a he's a, an engineering guru and, honestly, one of the, the funniest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. Just super cool dude. You know, he's like seven ten. He has hair down to he his like toes, an and Viking. he's like the most. He looks like an actual Viking, Be, like best dude in the planet. You know what I mean? Like he's he's total total brother, and um, we we played in a band. We started a band together. Called uh, Bone Splitter, and it's me, Brendan, you know Slim from Barry Dead, and Shane, who also had his own band called Kanai. And it was just essentially like straight up like grind death metal hardcore. And uh, you can check that out too online. I it think that Bone still, Splitter is
0: up on, yeah, it's the on Apple yes. Music and so, it's on Spotify.
1: Yeah, so you know I've been close with Shane ever since, and essentially I, I would go track a bunch of drums with Shane over summers, and like you know me and Shane. I would say got together once every year, if not once every two years to do some sort of musical project where I would go to a studio and we'd do drums and have a really good time. But I always knew that I wanted to go to him to record off-road because I had such a special relation with him musically. I felt like we worked together extremely well and still do. So essentially, I mean, you, you knew from the days of the EP because every single time we talk about it, you'd be like, Oh yeah, where do you want to do your drums? And I'd say the same thing every time I was, I'm still stubborn about it. I think this guy is just the 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 best in the business. He got gets amazing drum tones and he just knows how to how to work with me. I think that knowing how to work with a musician is you you got to kind of like have a special skill set in and of itself to work with a, with a entertainer and him and I just have such a good working relationship. I couldn't imagine going yeah. somewhere else.
0: Yeah, you guys are super tight and it really um I think you being so comfortable with him uh, allowed you to be able to, you know, do the record on your time, which was pretty damn quick that you tracked all 13 songs. Um, but yeah, Shane is the man. He has done insane amount of records, And it's cool. The Brick Hit House, their most popular thing they most recently did was him and his partner actually mixed um, Parkway Drive's Iyer um, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge record. So, super cool. Good for them. It's awesome. Um So, y- man, you know what dude? You you got to get you got to get Shane and Slim on this
1: podcast at some point if they would ever do that cuz those guys are like legends and also just a wealth of stories and you know, really inside the music. I mean, those guys have lived the whole thing and they're they're trendsetters yeah, too.
0: That would be super fun. I would love to have Shane on it. If Slim, for some reason, was down, that would be super cool. I would be extremely intimidated, but we would have some fun for sure. So that would be sick. Um, What was, for you, I guess, the most uh, difficult part of recording the drums for this record? Was there any particular song that was really hard for you? Or um, what can you tell the people about how you write your drum parts. I guess um, I write drum parts in lot, lots of
1: different ways, and I, I think that uh, some of the songs in the album are really groove oriented. Uh, really, just try try to set a vibe. You know, I know that that word is kind of vague, and I think, I think used uh, at this point, but it's but it's would true. Be you know, you a good example
0: a of that. Um, if you listen exactly. to the record on Friday when it comes out, May fifteenth, via Tooth and Nail Records, listen to the song "Taconic," and that's a great example. But continue.
1: Just uh, you know, t- trying to to be smart and economic with my with my composition on the drums. You know what I mean? Like I, I I reserve trying to really showcase busy, crazy things for very certain points in the album where I feel like that fits. I never want to do something that I don't feel like fits. And I think a lot of my my drumming on this album, in particular, is sort of like I want to find the beauty in. Simplicity and the artistry and keeping something simple. But I mean, I hope this comes across when you hear it, but like the just being really careful and having attention to detail and you know, making sure that if I'm gonna go with this one statement that I'm making, that it's true throughout the whole song and that it has a meaning to be there. You know, down to every little ghost note, I don't want to just write write a breakdown and put a bunch of ghost notes in it and be like, yeah, here they are. It's like, I want, I want every note to have a reason to be there. So even the, the simple quote songs, like something that's really groove oriented and maybe a little more repetitive, almost alongside more of like a popular music genre vibe um, just, just to really feel it as part of the music. I I sing, I sing the parts to myself when I'm writing them. You know what I mean? I think most of the drum ideas actually start in my head before I even pick up a pair of sticks. I'm just singing them to myself.
0: No, it makes sense. Yeah. I think that you have such a background with loving, um, playing the heavier side of drums, but in a more difficult manner. I mean, you can play Meshuggah songs, which for a lot of people would be you know, about as hard as it gets in terms of your feet and your hands. Um, but they aren't necessarily the craziest, choppiest band. But you also could play Jane Doe front to back at one point in your life. So that, I think, all those the ex- extreme elements to your drumming are what make the off-road songs so interesting is because we could just have a very standard rock um Drum outlook, I guess, and you know, people. I, I'm finding the uh, trouble to say exactly what I mean, but um, maybe the drum presentation would just seem more standard rock if you were just a standard rock drummer. But I think you having these elements of extreme drumming in your past that have allowed us to be so interesting. Um, even like the just the verses of something like Spiral Gaze, where you add in your ghost notes. Um, yeah um it's definitely it's a cool outlet
1: I feel like I get to do you know I get to do a little bit of everything that I've done already on the drums you know what I mean like I get to take little bits and pieces of everything that I've done along my way and as my journey as a musician you know I'm sure that other older musicians it's like you you understand that like you know what you were doing when you were 15 is probably way different than what you were doing when you were 20 and then 25 and then 30 and all these different kind of pivotal eras in your life have a a new thing that you're learning or a new thing that you're obsessed with or a a new kind of uh, technique that you're working on. And so I get to kind of approach this, um, not saying that I'm at a point now where I'm not learning new things. I'm probably going to be doing that until the day I die. You know what I'm saying? the way that you live,
0: of course you will. Um, You challenge yourself. You uh, always try to take on new ideas, new projects. So I agree with that for sure, but continue.
1: So uh, just, you know, ha- having all these different timelines of my own drumming to pull from and having, uh, th- I mean, the rest of the band is super in-, in the same sense, like everyone's kind of lived through a lot of different bands and eras of music and, and to all come together and try to be like, okay, we want to approach this from like a smart, accessible rock and roll t- to some degree point of view, but we want to you know, imbue it with what we feel is special in our playing individually. So I got to kind of, it's, it's a new challenge for me. And so I got to, you know, imbue every single different song with these little snippets and ideas. And I think similarly to how you're writing your lyrics, you're, you're telling a story or you're telling someone else's story, or you're kind of reliving this past moment of your life. I feel like I got to do that with a lot of these songs, uh, from a compositional standpoint with drums. Awesome.
0: Um, yeah, I think people will be able to, see the array of styles throughout it, especially if you think about the way that the record starts versus the way that it ends. Um, it Absolutely. Is, uh, <laughs> it's a polar opposite. <laughs> You'll if you see. enjoyed the breakdown we wrote on 17 years, um, you're in for a doozy on this new one. So, yeah. Uh, And yeah, I think that, that the comparison is, is true for sure where we're all trying to touch on different Eras, I guess, with every song, and maybe that was in some ways the goal where we wanted to make a record that sounded like all the stuff that we liked growing up. And uh, there you go, third one. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Uh, nice. And yeah, I'm, I got to catch I'm up. Pulling my head back when I do that too. I'm not leaning into the mic. Um, you know, so it's just also You know, it's a solid burp, but it's uh, it's nice to be able to um. Spread out, you know, your your musical taste over the record. I guess for you, what would you say is your most challenging song on the album?
1: Oof, that's actually a, like a really interesting question because honestly, some of the simpler tracks they're they're really challenging. Like for instance, you listen to Taconic and then you listen to carousel blues right and you're probably like whoa carousel blues is a lot busier of a drum song with like a lot more choppy oriented fills and you know the end of the song there's all, all sorts of different rhythmic components to that song and then you listen to something like deconic and you're like oh this is like you know one really fleshed out idea that slowly evolves over time but has this really it, it's very much on rails right it's it's very much like just being a functional drummer and something like that. It's like, you got to 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 really make it count to me and to me like to play it. Like I actually mean it and have like a meaningful expression. You actually have to enter like a certain kind of headspace. That's really, you know, as an actor or any kind of artist, I mean, you do that too, Ryan. I think, you know what I'm talking about. And as far as I'm concerned is like uh, entering a particular emotional headspace, so that you can do something like exactly how you want to for that long a time. It's hard. Like I I remember recording the uh, Taconic drums with Shane. I almost had to like, just, I I closed my eyes the entire take. I think there's some videos of him actually he took when I was playing, just being like, what the fuck is this guy doing? looks like I was like meditating, but that's kind of how I feel. It's like, Oh, this is the hard one. I got to enter this emotional zone so I don't, you know, inflect this song with the wrong energy. Yeah, I
0: I look back on um, one of my fondest moments on writing this record was being in your room working on the the song Vampire and us first getting that first chorus and having it really hit. And I guess ever since I've been writing that song, when people uh, uh, see the video a few weeks after this record is out, the character that I play in it, I guess was just kind of always there in my head, like singing this song. And it's very strange and a little overly dramatic. um, But I can't help but feel overly dramatic when I sing that song. Um, And it's, Uh, It fills me with joy. I love it. I like thinking back on... I I think that strange and
1: overly dramatic is probably an apt description of all of us individually.
0: Yeah, we are... Our band has a very, very interesting dynamic when we're all together. And I think that the great part about it, and it reminds me a lot of Fit for a King, is we have so much room to grow still as a group. And just as men with our relationships, as friends... And that took Fit for a King a long time, too. I mean, Jared and I touched on it a little bit in our uh, past episode. But holy smokes, we used to fight like crazy. You know, Kirby and I have only really gotten into it once or twice. Um, Bob and I have a relationship very similar to you and I, where you and I never really fought. I can't I can't think of a no. time and it's funny because I've fought with a lot of people cuz I am a very aggressive little troll man. But <laughs> I have I don't think I've ever fought with you. Um, and I can't think of a time where I've ever fought with Bob where even when I'm mad at one of you, I can express myself to you in a way where I we still don't reach that level. Um But Off Road, it has such an interesting dynamic that I think that that's what makes the band so damn good. Um, Not to say that my band is, our own band is so damn good, but it is. And um, I think, going back to the song Vampire again, it is a perfect example of an amalgamation of all of our skills put together, where it's got cool bass lines, it's got all those miles leads, it's got a very, very Melvin structure and verse, and then you've just got <laughs> these shred meets groove drums that are all over it and these little nuances that just make the song. Like your hi-hat um, hits in verse one and two, they they make the verse. Oh, you like those? You like those little
1: spots?
2: Spin- <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it adds
0: such an important element to it where if you were just playing a straight beat through it, it wouldn't have the same groove. But...
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <sighs> It, it's it's interesting because I I'll I'll write a lot of my drums for pre production and I'm sure like you and a lot of other people like I get pre productionitis and I only ever want to do and I only ever hear what I did in okay. pre production because you listen to it so much that it becomes ingrained in you that uh, when I got to Shane's. It was just such a cool experience because, I mean, he's got this great setup and uh, I stayed there. And interestingly enough, I, I was actually alone just, uh, I think, given tour schedules with uh, the rest of our band uh, was touring with Monster Jam and you were on tour with Fit. So we all you know have our own lives outside of the band too. So when I went to go to the drums, it was just me, just Shane, and a, a lot of like, creative room, which is kind of daunting because... I'm, I'm a kind of musician that loves to bounce my ideas off other musicians. You know what I mean? I'm. It's not that I don't have a confidence in what I want to do. It's more so like I want to collaborate all the time. So when I got there, I I knew that I had to take some liberties with what we had already recorded because I wanted to do a few things differently, and I thought that more things could be interesting. But it was kind of all up to me at that point to, to make the right decision. So... Uh, Having him there as like a producer too, he was a great set of ears just to bring out some of the best drumming in me. I think. Oh yeah,
0: I would agree, and it was very fun getting like videos from Shane while you're doing it, um, and it definitely made me feel like I was like, oh, at least I I'm not there, but I can I can kind of be there. I can kind of watch and have fun. So shout out again to Shane for being the nicest, best dude. Um, but yeah, you you really oh, yeah. crushed um, this session and brought so much life to these songs but um you know i think that the highlight track that a lot of people seem to be really enjoying is a song called you and it's our latest single um i guess the last single and by the time that people hear this we'll either have the music video are out or it should be out in like 48 hours or so but yeah um you and i we sh- we wrote all those words together um which was super.
1: Yeah, cool. we wrote wrote every lyric, every piece of that melody just together in my room. You know, it's like my bedroom was converted into the off road minivan like creative experience there for a while, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Man, you would come over all the time. We would just kind of write and I mean, we threw away a lot of stuff before we ever got to what we thought I agree. was good enough. Um,
0: yeah, we would just kind of do that and work out, and it was sick. Um, doing the two, it was just so funny, <laughs> yeah. but. You kind of had this story from someone that you knew from your past growing up on Cape Cod. And we kind of took this fun idea and we were like, man, this song to us. And originally it was, uh, the working title was heavy cold play. And we were like, you know what? We want to yes. ra- write a fun, <laughs> positive, you know, love song. N- enough of this dreary shit. And it was so much fun putting it together with you, dude. Like, and the chorus really, it did take a minute where we had a few different takes and then you refined it where like, I i forget exactly how the original melody went, but I had an, a kind of similar idea to what we ended up doing and you chopped it up and broke it up uh-huh. and brought in the, 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 the ooh idea in the U, which yes. makes the whole track. We would not have that track without it. And I still like, I'm, ear to ear thinking about it. Cause that's the best part of making music is making it with people. Like I like writing songs by myself sometimes. Um, but I'm pretty over it at the moment. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to be with my friends again. And overall, when you write with someone and you can throw ideas back and forth like that, it really does make the product that much better. I'd say my favorite tracks on the record are, are because of how collaborative they were. And how refined we were able to get the song, Um, whether it be Taconic or You or Vampire, um, you know, even Swan Dive. Swan Dive, you know, really was a group effort on that one as well. Um, Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because on a few of the tracks, I ended up, and uh, a lot of the time it would be from your suggestion, I'd write a bridge and we'd just be like, oh no, that bridge has to be. It has to be the chorus. And that happened with Swan Dive, but I was with Will Manning at the time for that. I went, and I was tracking with him, and originally we had a different chorus, and the chorus of Swan Dive was the bridge. And then I texted Will, and I was like, dude, can you just move the bridge into the chorus and let's see how this sounds? And it's, it's so much better, but... Um. Oh yeah.
1: That that worked out for the best. It's it's so funny because it's so hard to take a step back from your own work sometimes that like you're saying, it's important to collaborate. And I think that a huge part of that is like other people are just going to see something differently than you. So even if your version of collaborating is just showing someone something that you think is already finished, you're probably going to realize that it's not finished yet because they're going to give you something new. And I think that that is kind of the To me, one of the main reasons why we work so well as a band together is that like all of us can always see something differently than the other person.
0: Yeah, and we're not scared to change things up. I think you have to keep challenging the songs where um, a lot of people have the problem, like you referred to as almost a demo-itis, where the first melodies I write, the first riffs I write, everything, it's just the song's done. And I, I encounter that a lot when I talk to younger bands and they send me demos and I'm like, well, you really think this is done? Like it's, it's cool. I think it's good, but is it okay? So if your if your favorite band is volumes, is this song as good as a volume song? If your favorite band song. is, uh, you know, cool boy is this as good as a cool song? And I think that that needs to be the challenge for whatever you're doing with Alfred minivan. Obviously we are have different, different group of bands that we are trying to sound like and let me repeat by saying we are definitely trying to sound like some bands (laughs) you know we have that armor for sleep influence we have that thursday influence we have i mean melvin was so into uh like the oceana birth eater stuff and you know i can't wait to dive into that more with everyone and get their influences but what would you say really sculpted your drum influence well if you had to you know put a couple of bands out there that really made you sound the way you do like overall or or for this uh, record you mean i guess overall um but uh you could go half and half if you want to you know
1: it t- to me like the the whole era of like Hellfest 2001 to 2003, or or that that the whole era and lineup of bands was like my teenage obsession, and I think that a lot of people, when you hear them talk about like what inspired them, like some of your most formative years and, and when you're really finding things out about yourself and you're actively trying to define yourself through the things that you discover happen when you're a teenager like that. So, you know, for me, honestly, like bands like Dillinger Escape Plan, uh, they were fusing together the technicality of through composed classical music and jazz with the brutality of hardcore that I was so into. And bands like Converge that sounded literally like no other band you'd ever heard before, like a true pioneer, like just eye opening, completely turn your world upside down. Uh, Shai Hulud, I think, was a, a big one for me too, and a big influence as far as, you know, every note of a Shy Hulud album is a new part oh, <laughs> in yeah. essence. You know what I mean? They, they don't confine themselves to a, a pop structure by any means, but just like this, this like sort of through composition technique that even though our record has um, repetition, like any kind of album that would have different parts of a chorus or a verse, I'm trying to approach each measure of each one of those parts with the same kind of like through composition lens
0: Sweet Wow That is Oh yeah no, Was that too much? That's months? great <laughs> That's awesome um, I think that people as they get to know your style more they'll definitely hear that influence and see it um, and I know that obviously Yeah those I hope aren't so. Our band sounds like but I still see the relation to your drums so hopefully they do as well Yeah as well. It's funny I feel like my influences are kind of like
1: they they influence me, you know what I mean? That that word is so interesting because I think a lot of people are like, oh, who influenced you? And you're like, this person, and then you can immediately hear it. I think for, for me, a lot of what influences
0: me is not necessarily what you hear unless you're really looking for it. But that is because you are capable of playing so many different styles of music, and that's why we love you because you can spice it up at all times, Aww, man. And that's, you, too. You know, we've been able to do, when Melvin and Dave are on tour, like us doing that acoustic run with Davey. Dude, Davey, and, um, Davey oh. and Josh, I shouldn't be leaving him out in Harper. What a time. In Harper, yeah. Dave, and that, what a, that, that was amazing. Time. Great, what a great, great trip. People. I really, really want to do it again and more because um, I just love when you play piano. I think that there's a bajillion people out there that would just pay to watch you play oh. piano because you're so damn Oh, good. I love playing piano. But you're also so damn good at playing <laughs> drums. So we're lucky to have you. You are a mad Thank man. Thank you. I appreciate that, but, dude. Uh, what's your favorite song on the record? Oof. It. You know, I think it's been.
1: I think it's harder to make it is might be my favorite song. It just for some reason and it resonates with. It, it hits me in a way that just like we were talking about, like being a teenager, like that feeling. You know, you know when you're like when you're in those formative years and you turn on your car, your first oh, yeah. car, and you put in an album through your like kind of shitty speakers and for me we would just drive down to the beach um, cuz i grew up you know near the beach so we would always be by the beach and just like that you turn on the song the sun hits you you're drinking a coffee you're like 16 17 and you're with your friends and you don't have work it's like that that nostalgic feeling of just being free and young i think to me that that is how i hear and i still feel when i hear it's harder to make That's it awesome. there i
0: can see myself getting out of school going and sitting in my 95 honda accord putting it on and blasting it as loud as i can with all the windows and sunroof open and just ripping um and by ripping i mean driving very slowly because i drove a honda accord um but yeah i drove a dodge stratus so yeah that song's a special one um and it really it tells a story i think we tried to tell stories in a lot of these songs um and it's so uh, special, I think, to be able to look back on and be like, wow, these songs aren't just songs. A lot of them are true stories or inspired by. And um, it's it just feels right to me. I think that although, of course, there's some things I would go back and change a little bit. Um, overall, I would say, you know, we did a pretty damn good job putting out something that really, you know, means a lot to us. and after how long we've waited to put out, um, to put it out, you know, I would only hope that it would have that, you know, nice resonating feeling with us. So, you know, we're lucky. Absolutely. And hopefully it does uh, with everybody that's listening to it too. If you guys think it sucks, just don't tell me. Um, But
1: you can tell me I'm down
0: with I'm this uh, idea right now though, that if nobody hates your music at all, then you can't be popular um, so if you do want to leave like one or two mean YouTube comments, like, I guess that's fine. But like, only if you don't really mean it, you're just doing it to like, continue to try to make us famous. Cause who doesn't want to be famous? I want to be famous and be a rock and roller and have mad monies and like go crazy. But, um, I guess we're all working on that day by day. Hopefully we can play concerts again and that will happen. Um, yeah, I think the first run of concerts that happens,
1: you know, next in the world, whenever that may be, is going to be uh, real special, I think, for a lot of people. I, I just hope that uh, everyone gets out there and, and listens because I think that we're all going to need an escape from our
0: own ho- houses, you know? I'm with you. It sucks being home. I'm ready. I'm ready home. to go yeah. make some noise. Yeah. It's, I can't get over. Yeah. I'm home. I'm not at work. And I'm not hanging out with my friends. It's driving me crazy. Because um, usually when I get it's I, wild. I'll man. fly home. From tour, and then that first Monday, I drive upstate you and I go to the gym we get tacos and we hang out like every time no fail um, so yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you you were driving uh two and a half hours to get to me before this all happened too because you you uh you know you, you moved farther south and Apparently, that can't keep us from going to the gym. So this is how a good friend, in case you're wondering and you're listening to his podcast and you're like, gee, I'm five episodes in. I don't know if this Ryan guy is actually quite that good of a guy. You know, maybe I won't listen to episode six. Well, here's a testament to how good of a friend Ryan is. Ryan drives two and a half hours north to go to the gym with me and eat a taco and then drives two and a half hours south after it's, you know, on a, on a day off, it's like a five hour excursion. Well, you me.
0: know, actually even, even if the traffic is really bad that day, it's really like two hours, you know, hour, it's an hour and a half with no traffic like right now. Cause there's no one driving. <laughs> oh, we can get out of the city and get up mm-hmm. state in an hour and a half. But yeah, you're right. It, yeah. It's like two. It's you know, like two I was hours.
1: trying to, I was but trying to dude, gas you up. You can gas me up all <laughs> you want,
0: baby. I appreciate it. And <laughs> yeah, I just wouldn't want to work out or hang out with anyone else. And uh, I think that that's important in all relationships in life. And if you don't, it's not that everyone has to challenge, uh, anything to that extent, but if you're, you know, you should love someone or care about someone in a way where it doesn't matter if you're two hours away. Like if I got the time, I'm going to hang out with my bro because you're my number one stunner. I appreciate you, bro. Yeah.
1: Yo, likewise, bro. Absolutely, right you. Absolutely.
0: Um, well, we pretty much are through the offered musical history. Um, uh, there ha- isn't too much we didn't touch upon. I guess the only thing we really forgot about is uh, talking about when we made the Spiral Gaze video and put that out. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, we, we haven't really decided fully on if that's going to get a re-release or not. Because um, I thought we were going to, but I guess we might not. I don't really know.
1: Yeah, I don't know because uh, we we did re-record Spiral Gaze, so that's going to be on the album in in new format. Um, like it's just, I, we all think it just sounds better. We wanted to kind of do it again and re- remaster it, so to speak. Even though it's, it is a brand new recording, but I try I, I try to stay true to the original because again, like I'm saying, every single note counts. So hopefully, you guys yes, hear I that agree. too.
0: Yeah, well, I think we all stuck to it pretty much. The only difference really is the tuning uh, that we were playing it in, but. Um, I hope you guys all really do like it, but yeah, that, that was cool. I liked making that video. I liked making the new videos. That was super fun. We had super fun, uh, who Kevin Johnson and Zach Mayfield, they work on a majority of the fit for a King videos as well. Um, and at this time we got together, Kevin and Zach drove up from Atlanta and we banged out two music videos in three days. Yeah, two two videos in three yeah. days. Two videos, <laughs> three days. It was nonstop. Man, that was fun though. That was such a good time. That was. A yeah, mess. who doesn't want to film out in the snow at like what six a.m. or seven a.m. Whatever. Um, but great time. Oh, okay. fun w- things. gorgeous, man! Getting to put makeup on everybody and cool get movies. wild. Um, I guess for me, I'd say out of. Uh, the, I don't know which one I'd say was more fun. I don't want to talk about Vampire too much just because it's not out yet. Um, well, neither is yes. me, technically that's while that's we're by. recording this. But um, the they're just so it creepy. will be. They're just so polar opposite, um, which is why I they are. How, I would say you is our clean poppy side, and Vampire is our AFI Thirty Seconds to Mars attempt kind of. Thing I guess, um, but
1: yeah, I, I feel like, um, again, like we're just hitting upon like a bunch of different eras in our lives, and that's a that's a that was a big part of it for me, I, I'm sure, too. Like with you guys, so I had I had a blast
0: writing that oh, song yeah. with you guys, yeah, and filming those was super fun. It was a bit cold for both of them,
1: oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was freezing, it was freezing.
0: freezing, like a lot of <laughs> we did use fog machines a bit. But there is a good amount of genuine, like, it's really cold in here, mouth breathing going on in the vampire video. Um,
2: oh, I guess we'll have yeah. I just want to have you
0: back on at some point, really, to talk about how the record went and all the videos once they're out and people can fully digest everything, because we are a bit ahead of ourselves here. Because At this moment, it is May the 4th. And it's not going to be May the 4th when yes. you guys listen to this, but it is Star Wars Day. And what a special day it is. Oh, yeah. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with
1: you. Going to watch the last one tonight, perhaps. We'll see. Watch some Star Wars. Oh, also, while I still have you here, shameless plug, speaking of getting ahead of ourselves, uh, another project that I'm uh, working with called Elder Brother, who I kind of joined up with uh, this year we have a new release coming out a new full length album coming out to uh to be announced the date so keep your eyes open for that Dude, on pure noise records that I too miss that.
0: i'm so stupid oh my gosh yes you're an elder brother people don't know this people yeah. do know it some people know so it. Uh, well i'm
1: new you know it's not it's not like i'm like some og yeah. elder brother guy although i will say that dan and i have been friends for a long yeah. time so
0: But at least it's only been really the last year you've been with these guys. But uh, you guys were supposed to go on a tour recently, which you didn't get to go on, with Microwave, who is a band that I am a huge fan of. But, right, you play an Elder Brother, which is a side project of one of the members of the story so far. I believe his name is Kevin, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's Kevin, yep, and, and Dan, too. Kevin and Dan are the primary songwriters. But honestly, I mean, like, Um, Morgan does a ton of writing too. Morgan's like a fucking genius too. So that dude's, I don't know. Just like the, 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 honestly, the three of these, these guys, like the music that just comes out of them naturally is so impressive to me. And like, as a musician, it's so fun to kind of just like hear the stuff they come up with on the fly. They're all really smart and super musical people too. So I feel lucky. Like I'm getting just like to work with all these different Musicians, and that's it's kind of my dream, so I'm living it.
0: You guys just put out a record, if I'm correct, about two months ago, maybe a month ago.
1: Uh, yeah, it was a a new single off of the full length coming out. The single
0: new record is coming. Just when does the album come out?
1: Is coming, yeah. Uh, we don't have a firm date yet, I don't believe. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is uh messing with release dates and touring schedules, so. I mean, a
0: lot of people weren't as um, silly as us to release their record during a pandemic. I guess we didn't plan on it um, or expect to have it during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, but we just figured we'd stick with it. I think it is smart for you guys to not and to drag it out a little bit. But I love the project. I mean, if you are into a band like Story so far, I think it hits for you. But also if you are more into maybe a band like Transit... I think that you would also very much like Elder Brother. They are a little bit more of a, I'd say, a little more of a festival band than a pop punk band. They are capable of playing to that alternative market that um, I think a band like The Story so far maybe doesn't do quite as often, although they're definitely starting to now um, by playing major festivals and whatnot. But Elder Brother is badass. And if you like, Alternative indie Americana rock music. Go listen to Elder Brother. Evan slams buckets in it. He
1: yeah did, uh, did piano, all the percussion, and all the uh, any anything keyboard related. Um, but honestly, Kevin's also a dope keyboard player too. Kevin is huh. a, a monster on the keys. Interesting. As well. I did not know that. Um. Yeah, all those guys. I think Morgan actually plays some piano too, which is kind of cool I, I might have made that oh, up too. LOL. to lol here this morning surprise
0: though because um story is just so damn popular and talented and does so well that it would make sense that everyone in their band is stupidly talented um, oh yeah everyone's stupid good at their instruments um,
1: oh oh yeah uh, torf he also is a piano player <laughs> too we, we just uh we, we played a show out in California uh recently with Motion City soundtrack and uh, actually we got Torf to play keyboards with us which was such a blast um and damn that he's just too good at everything he touches man he's he he's like a th- true musician too those those guys are all the real deal man you just like you hang with them and the, they're just pure musicians it's really
2: dope That's to awesome.
0: see yeah what a band i am definitely a fan um but it is cool to see that you get to work with them because I mean that's even gosh I I look back on the first warp tour we did um Bob ended up like throwing a you know some baseball with like Parker or something like that because Bob can hang out with anyone cuz he's hot and has the voice of a you know very muscular demon man and everyone seems into yep. it <laughs> which they should be but uh, they were one of those bands that I was just intimidated by. It was like, you guys are so popular. You're so popping right now. I cannot say hi to you. I don't, what do I have to say to you that anyone else doesn't want to say with you? I see Parker hanging out with Scott Vogel and shit. And I'm like, okay, you're way cool. I'm not. I, I can't hang out with Scott Vogel. Um so I didn't say anything to any of them ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it funny. You
2: know, they're, I, <laughs> they're, they're people, man. They're oh, just I people. know.
0: But I, I have some that, that freak me out in a sense where uh, I had uh, someone commented on my Facebook post about who I should interview for the show. And someone was like, oh, get Etid on here. And uh, it was my friend Matt from Albany. He was like, get Etid on, on the show and um, uh-huh. you know, talk to them about the new record. And I was like, dude. I toured with that band and I couldn't even talk to him then. How the fuck am I supposed to talk to them on my show? You know, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) because you people don't understand. When I was, and, you know, getting out of high school, starting to really get into metalcore, get out of the scene stuff, and metalcore started being a thing, and you see Keith Buckley with his hair up and his aviators and his fucking belt buckle, and he's the baddest motherfucker on the block, and their band is blowing up, and you're hearing Logic of Crocodiles for the first time, and you're just like, holy shit, yep. I want to be this guy. I can't. It's hard for me to let go of that, even as a 31-year-old man, and... But that's why I'm a Mm -hmm. fan first. I will always say I am a fan first before I am a musician. And that's what keeps me so excited about touring and about hearing new bands and continuing my love for music. And um, there's just some guys I'm not concerned about them necessarily being my friends because I love that I'm a Keith Buckley fan. I love that that I feel uncomfortable around him because – I don't want to just be so cool for school that I I, that I know everybody. I it's not a necessity. I'm a fan. I like it. It's fun.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> um,
1: so, it is fun. Being a fan is someday. fun. Um, yeah.
0: But I would maybe love to get uh, you know some of your elder guys on here, maybe Dan or Kev or something. Um, but yeah, wild. You're you're all over the place, multifaceted, super talented. super tall, actually taller than Jared, which people wonder. um, I just have a thing for tall guys. That's why I like guys that are a foot taller than me. (laughs) But, dude, I'm lucky to have you, man. Uh, Is there anything you want to shout out uh, to the people? Maybe uh, anything else about Elder Brother, anything else about Off-Road, maybe about your lessons or how they can reach you? Hit them with it.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, if you if you want to hit me up just in general, I mean, don't don't be shy. Hit me up, uh, DM me on Instagram or whatever. Um, you can DM me on the off road Instagram too, and you know, just if you got any questions of any kind, I I am not shy. So hit me up. Uh, I, I do teach a lot of lessons. I've been teaching tons of virtual lessons. I'm actually almost busier now than I ever have been, which is kind of wild. I think that. You know, a lot of people are, are have, I mean, quote, more f- free time now, but I'm, I'm working just as much with, uh, these, a lot of kids. I teach a lot of kids piano and a lot of people drums. I have a bunch of adult students. So, you know, if you're interested in anything or if you just want to kind of talk shit and be like, yo, you suck. I, I'm there for that too. Nice. Um, you know, just to keep your ears open because this, uh, this new off-road record, this new elder brother record, I'm, uh, I'm just really pleased with the the music. And I think that these people that I'm working with and are working with me, uh, who have chosen to work with me, are super special themselves. So don't it's sleep. It's going
0: to be a hell of a year for you, man. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, um, it's be you know, we've done dope year. this EP in the past, but really, not only are you releasing your first full length on a label, you're releasing two full lengths on a label. So just so everyone knows, Elder Brother, you can catch them uh, via Pure Noise Records. Um, they have a new single out. What's the name of it, Ev?
1: Uh, yes. Of the new single, or, or the upco- of the, the upcoming album? Called? Um, which one was the like? I can't remember which one we released <laughs> first. It was a uh,
0: if you if you love okay, me, like you say, awesome. And what is the record called?
1: Um, it's not going to be called stay inside. I'll tell you that much. Uh, we actually have a few different working titles right now. What's cool.
2: Yeah.
0: I vibe with that. I think that a lot of thing, um, I've, I've talked to a few people, I should say that have been delaying records or holding off on releases until things get figured out. And I definitely think that you guys are being smart by doing the same, um, it's it's a weird time for the entertainment industry. Um, it's very weird waking up and just seeing that even a like J Crew folded today. Um, just I know I saw that yeah. are going to fall because of what's been going on, and it's gonna be really weird to see the future. But um, at least this year. You've got two banging records coming out. One is coming out very soon, May 15th, Swan Dive by Offroad Minivan on Tooth & Nail Records. You can oh, yeah. pre-save it now on Apple Music, on Spotify. If you care about us and you like this episode, just go do it because you can. And it's easy and it would be really nice. Um, but other than that, Ev, oh, yeah. you got anything else for these people or is that right. it?
1: Right. Oh, just, you know, keep living your dreams, man. I mean I didn't I didn't think that at uh when I was fourteen years old picking up my first drum set that I'd still be doing it now. So I'd like to think that anything you guys want to do out Absolutely. there you can do. I know that's a little cheesy, but it's no, just the
0: course. truth. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Today, uh, on my little anniversary day, I, I feel the same. I'm super happy, I feel warm, I'm thankful, <laughs> and despite things being hard and us maybe losing a good year of touring, um, at least I still get to make music with my friends as a 30-year-old adult. So, it's pretty badass and uh I just know in general my life would suck without you. You are my best friend and I love you so much, dude. So, thank you.
1: Dude, like
0: and love you yeah, too, man. Uh, hang on one second and we will properly say goodbye off the air as I do every week. But thank you for being on my show. I hope you enjoyed getting tucked. You're the fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> I do it again. All right, I love you. Hold on one sec. All right, you too, man. Okay, everyone. That was my episode with Evan Garcia-Renart. It's really nice getting to dig through not only our musical past, but also just our past as friends. I guess we have more of a past as friends than we do as a musical past. The music stuff is more as of recent, last four years or so, and super thankful for that. Right now, times are pretty hard. I know personally I am starting to crack. The quarantine has been really difficult. We've all lost work, and I just need some quality bro time. So this has been very therapeutic for me, and I hope you guys know how much it means to me that you're listening. Thank you for chiming in. It seriously means the world. We love you guys. Up next is engineer, songwriter, riff master, Melvin Brinson, We've been in two projects together. A band called Visions quite a long time ago. And now we are an off-road minivan. Off-road minivan. And I can't wait to tell you all about it. So tune in tomorrow for the next episode of Get Tucked with Melvin Brinson. Thanks, guys. Bye.